Hi, Dr. Darren Coe here. Welcome to the Solid Rock Performance Podcast. Thank you for joining me. This is where we take a deep dive into the psychology and mental performance aspects of high-intensity sports and high-intensity athletics. Thanks for joining me. You're going to love this. Now let's get to the show. Hi, Dr. Darren here. Before we get into today's show, I want to let you know about something that's very important to me, which is my nutrition. At 51 years old and a master's competitor in amateur strongman competitions, I try and get the best nutrition I can, but sometimes it doesn't always reach that high optimal level. To make sure I'm getting good nutrition, I turn to FNX supplements, and I use their super greens and their super reds. They're my favorite products. They also have a pretty good pre-workout and a pretty solid protein. So if you really want to boost your game, give FNX supplements a try. You can use the link in the show notes. All right, on to the show. Hey, welcome to Solid Rock Performance. This is Dr. Darren Coe. And in this episode, I have the pleasure of chatting with Travis Ortmeier. Uh, and if you are in strongman and don't know who Travis is, then I'm going to reach through and poke you in the eye. <laughs> so, uh, Travis, would you, um, take just a minute, introduce yourself a little bit about you, maybe, um, sure. Some career highlights. Sure. And then, right. uh, yeah. Um, well, I've been doing professional strongman for 20 years. Uh, well, August 2nd will be 20 years. Um, you know, I, I kind of got into strongman by mistake. I uh, went with a buddy and ended up falling in love with the sport. And uh, <clears throat> from that moment on, it was, uh, it was the main focus of my life. And within a couple of years, I had gotten my pro card and started competing around the world. I uh, went to three IFSA world championships. That was back when World Strongest Man and IFSA split. And IFSA had all the top athletes with the exception of Marius Pujanowski. Um, competed three years in the world championships there. And then when they finally kind of converged back together, uh, started competing at World Strongest Man and did another four World Strongest Man competitions, uh, out of which I placed fifth in the final, fifth in the finals three times. Um, I did five Arnold classics was third twice and fourth once. And the fourth was after a, a broken ankle at the world championships at world strongest man in 2010, uh, still wasn't healed. So I, I think I would have done better than fourth, <laughs> but, uh, limping through some of the events, you know, it is what it is, man. Then, uh, two America's strongest man titles, uh, got, 25 or 30 world records, most of which are from Atlas Stones. Okay. I was the first man to ever load a 500-pound Atlas Stone. Uh, broke that barrier. Uh, let's see. Yeah, I mean, I could go on, but I've, I've done about 100 competitions. That's probably a highlight. <laughs> yeah. We, uh, I think we need to switch your nickname from the Texas Stone Man to the Iron Man of Strongman. <laughs> so I'm one of the few people that's been competing longer than uh, Mark Felix and Nick Best. They may be older, but I've got a few more years in the game. Wow. That's, yeah. um, 
that's uh, that's a highlight right there. <laughs> <laughs> hey, what's your favorite non-strongman activity? Non-strongman activity. Oh man. Uh, so much of my day is consumed with strongman. It's either eating or it's prepping for my workout or it's recovering from my workout. It's uh, or working with athletes who are also doing strongman. You know? um, totally non-strongman related activity is going out in nature, walking my dog. Nice. I think that's probably, and, and I don't know, I could even still relate that to strongman because that's my active recovery. Yeah. <laughs> Not, not, not specifically strongman though. Just getting out and being healthy and getting some sun. Yeah, yeah, I, I do. Like I like getting outside. Uh, I live in Reno. You know, we're in the mountains, and it's it's beautiful here. Go down to the river. I get in the water. Uh, you know, all that snow melt runoff. It's nice yeah. and cold. Yeah, yeah. I I enjoy that. I like hey, taking what? my dog and getting him in the river, <laughs> even though he doesn't like this. He doesn't like it that much. No. <laughs> I think it's a little too fast for him. I think it freaks him out a little bit. Oh, got it. He'll run all over the side. Anywhere he can touch his feet, he's fine. But once he gets out in the current, I think it freaks him out just a little bit. <laughs> that, make, that makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. Hey, what motivated you to get started with just lifting weights? Oh, man. I was 11 years old. Um, I was a fat kid. I had moved from South, Southern California to south georgia and uh yeah i was bullied relentlessly um it was absolutely horrible i hated hated that move it was you know sixth grade middle school it's awful kids pick on you and i was i was the target of all the white kids because i was a fat california boy surfer boy and uh, i was a target from all the black kids because i was a fat white kid <laughs> man yeah, it was rough, man. But, you know, even before that, I always had a fascination with it. I remember when I was in second grade, I was seven years old. My next door neighbor, uh, we lived in townhouses. So the next unit over, uh, my neighbor had a gym in his garage. And I used to love to go in there and, like, pick up the weights and try and lift the bar and, and you know, just have fun. Just it, it, I don't know. It felt natural to me. It's just something that. I've always gravitated towards. Okay. You know, probably doesn't hurt that I always wanted to be like Conan the Barbarian or look like the Punisher or Wolverine, you know, larger than life superheroes. Yeah. <laughs> oh, that's really interesting that uh, that makes a lot of sense. Uh, a kiddo that's uh, being bullied or something, you know, and then they see super, the, yeah, the whole superhero thing, trying to, these are oh, people yeah. that do amazing things and I want to do that. And that'll, that'll, I'll show those bullies. They overcome the bad guys with sheer brute force sometimes, you yeah. know, and, and those particular superheroes and He-Man was another one. They overcame with brute force yeah, and, and style, <laughs> but they, you know, they, they weren't any, there's no trickery or mind games. They just came in and cleaned house. And that's kind of what I liked. I wanted to just go in and, and just fucking annihilate some of those kids that. <laughs> <you know. laughs> Did you spend a lot of time sitting in a room 
thinking about those kids? You know, I, I can't say that I dwelled on it, but I can't say that I didn't. I used the rage from that to fuel my workouts well into my late 20s. And I actually remember a time when it kind of dried up. Okay. And I, I just knew I didn't have that rage to fuel my workouts. I had to find something new, um, you know, which probably was one of the, the little keys, one of the, the little factors that led to, you know, the eventual, eventual collapse uh, right around the time I was about 29, 30 years old, 2012, um, you know, after competing in strongman for a decade, doing probably, well, without a doubt, more shows than any other American had, that do up to 18 shows a year, you know, half of which would be in Europe. So it was a lot of travel, a lot of, I got worn out, but I think, you know, that, that rage drying up along with another a, a number of other things kind of led to that collapse at the end of 2012. Did you, uh, growing up and then into uh, early adulthood, did that rage come out in any other ways? No, no. Thankfully, I've always had this passenger back here. You know, it's just like a little alien, Travis, who's riding the machine that's out here and uh you know he's pushing the button saying well let's experience this like whoa that one sucked let's just try this one over here and he's just taking notes but I, i've always felt guided by that and i you know i never i never realized it when i was younger but i always just had a real healthy way of expressing uh, anger and rage okay. you know i just i think uh i never thought about it consciously you know, it's like my hand was just kind of guided towards, hey, here's something we need to do so that you can have a healthy outlet for all the shit going on inside. Yeah. <laughs> hey, uh, if you don't, if you don't mind. Oh, did I lose you? No, there you are. No, nope, no. Nope. Yeah, I just got another call. I don't Sorry. If, if you don't mind or, or, uh, uh, if you don't want to, that's fine. I understand. But uh, could you talk about your parents and uh, what family life was like a little bit when you were growing up? Yeah, sure. Um, my dad was pretty mellow. Well, I say mellow. He he wasn't uh, he wasn't controlling, and he wasn't an overly disciplinarian type of person. He's uh, he's far from mellow, <laughs> but. Uh, He's always been a real nice, charismatic person. My mom was the disciplinarian. Uh, you know, I've had many, many a wooden spoon broken over my ass. Um, you know, and a funny story on that. I remember we were in Williamsburg, Colonial Williamsburg in like Virginia or North Carolina, wherever it is. Um, we went into a shop and they had this pot full of these really big, you know, thick handled wooden spoons. She picked one up, looks at me and says, this one won't break. <laughs> oh. I, was, I was about 12 years old. And I don't think I ever got smacked with another spoon after that. But the funny part of this story is I now use that wooden spoon on a regular basis when I cook. That's oh, my that's... wooden spoon. <laughs> so think about that. Yeah, it's, it's a little reminder of mom every time I, I meal prep. 
what what so are they positive like do you think that's part of where you got your discipline to be a strength athlete was the discipline your mom imposed or was that something you resented you know i think i think you know you have nature versus nurture and uh you know, people say that there's one or the other, but I think that one does not exist without the other. You need certain keys to unlock certain parts of your nature, you know? So I, but I think though, that my nature is a focused kind of driven person. It's, it's in my family. They, uh, you know, my, my mom, she didn't have a college education, but she, took herself to the top of uh, Hewlett Packard. She was a manager for their trade shows. She's a person who put on all their trade shows at, uh, or, or ran the booth and set it all up and organized it. Um, and she did all that without a college degree. You know, she beat out some other probably way more qualified people. She was just good. Um, <clears throat> but, you know, in my family, there's a lot of, uh, I guess you could say entrepreneurs um, on my mom's side. On my dad's side, it's uh, preachers. Okay. Um, so, in, in, so on my mom's side, it's entrepreneurs or teachers. So entrepreneur, teacher, and then my dad's side was preachers. And so I'm teachers and preachers, basically. You know, that's, that's where my love of teaching others and coaching comes from. Um, but I think... I was just stubborn. You know, my mom didn't always want me doing the things that I was doing. She hated my love, my passion for bodybuilding. She always thought it was kind of stupid. Um, and that's what I loved when I first started lifting weights. I wanted to be larger than life. You know, I had posters of Dorian Yates on my wall and she didn't, she thought it was kind of dumb, but you know, it was uh, just that innate drive of, I don't care. First off, what you think, this is what I love and I'm going to go for it hundred percent because that's where I feel my soul being dragged. And, uh, you know, I think I've always had a good, a, a fortunate way about me about listening to my soul and just going where my heart tells me to. It sounds, what I'm hearing is an environment that fostered, uh, a couple of things, uh, drive, but also uh, creativity and independence and uh, maybe a willingness to explore, like openness to sort of new experiences. Um, I don't think a person can go and build, for instance, build a business and be an entrepreneur without uh, a willingness to explore and face challenges that you may not know even exist does it sound about right yeah i mean that part's absolutely right you gotta gotta have to have a, a wild heart you know in order to branch out unless unless you've been raised with that but if you weren't raised with that you kind of have to have a wild heart and i think that's where my mom and i were a lot alike you know she used to butt heads with her father on on a regular basis she's out of her and her sister, she was the one that got whooped all the time. And then out of me and my sister, I was the one that got whooped all the time. We're very headstrong, very independent, very, 
you know, <laughs> and it didn't yeah. really matter what the parental figure was trying to tell us. We were, we were stubborn and hard-headed enough. We were going to do it our way. <laughs> yeah. Did that follow you? Uh, was, was any part of that detrimental to you as you got into strength sports? Probably not as I got into strength sports. Uh, it became detrimental when I kept training like a maniac and my body would hurt and I would find a way to just steamroll that pain and, and do it anyway. Got it. You know, it's, uh, it led to a number of injuries. <laughs> okay. Which, Got it. I mean, you know, when people say train smart, you shouldn't, you should listen to your body. You need to know your limits and all that shit. And I say that's, that's great on the one hand, but they're missing something really important about it on the other. And that is greatness comes from people who are willing to break past those boundaries. You know, if you always listen to your body and you always played it safe, you're probably not going to do something super unimaginably great. Yeah. You know what I mean? You gotta, you gotta find a way to dig, be able to dig deep so that in the moment that you need it, you have that ability to fall back on the, the really important factor. The crucial piece of that puzzle is knowing just how much to push when it's not a competition or a life or death matter. You know, you, you need to know how far to push that past the barriers that your body's telling you and when to listen. And I think it's probably about an 80, 20 or a 90, 10 split where you should listen to your body 80% of the time, but every so often you need to bowl past the, the boundaries and, and force things to happen just so you hone your technique in that and you know what to expect because the repercussions are going to be there. You're, you're going to pay for it, you know? <laughs> yeah. Do you think people, because that is not a typical mindset, pushing past boundaries into the unknown. My, my perception yeah. is um, most people, you know, 68% of people, if you were to ask them, would say, no, I don't think so. Even people at the gym, like, no, nah, that's oh, yeah. uncomfortable. So given your experience with that, where, how do you build that? Where does that come from mentally? Like what, why are there certain people, not why, accessing that switch? I think, I think we go back to nature and nurturers. I have some of that in my nature, but the key to unlocking that piece of my physiology was the rage that I had from the years I spent being bullied. I think that was probably the key that unlocked that bit initially for me. And once it was unlocked, I was able to kind of tap into it and I'm still able to tap into it. With, and I, I don't have any rage fueling my training now. It's, it's, uh, it's a different kind of feeling. Um, but yeah, I think, uh, you know, you have to find the right key for your own lock. Yeah. So to speak. <laughs> no, that makes a lot of sense. Like what, what's driving, what's driving you or what can you, what energy can you pull up to unlock that next barrier, that next mental assumption, maybe. That's something I've got to work with, with my clients. I got to, you know, as a coach, 
it's it's kind of my uh, it's up to me to try and find out what those keys are for my clients. You know, and as yeah. I get to know them, I know a little bit better what pushes them. And so, uh, you know, some people want to aspire to greatness. Some people hate losing. Some people have rage that fuels it. Some people were told they can't and they want to fight against that. Or some people were told they could and they want to honor that person. You know, there's, there's all sorts of different keys for that lock. Yeah. And everyone is different. So I think those are the probably the five, well, really four, that fifth one's kind of uncommon. Um, but the, the first four is something I, I find is true with a lot of my clients. That's brilliant. Um, yeah, I love that. <laughs> That's some real stuff. You don't hear that a lot. Um, See, these are the things that are not really discussed in like sports psychology or mental performance um, because it's very academic. And uh, but these are the things that come out in the gym or, you know, in the training hall or in competition that um, these are the things that unlock the, some of those doors to higher levels. That's it's brilliant. So. Hey, could you walk us along the path you took into strength sports? Uh, yeah, sure. So, um, you know, like I said, I saw my neighbor working out when I was seven. I thought that was awesome. And then when I was 11, I mowed lawns all summer to save up money for a weight bench. Uh, I bought a Vitamaster 1700 from Walmart. <laughs> it's a tiny little bench. Um, cost me 55 bucks. And it did not come with the weights. Um, my mom actually bought the weights because she was, she was proud that I had saved the money. I worked for it. So she went ahead and bought the weights. They were $22. Uh, but it was a set of dumbbells and the plastic weights. I didn't have a bar yet. Um, so when we got home, you know, and I realized I didn't have a bar and I wanted to bench. You know, bench press was king back then. Um, I went into the kitchen. And I took the kitchen broom, snuck outside with it, sawed the end off, <laughs> and then hid, hid the broom sweeper part. And uh, I, mean, I threw it out in the woods and then used that bar as my bench, bench press bar. And my mom came looking for it later saying, what the hell happened to this? Oh, I don't know, Ma. What, what, what broom? Do we have a broom in the kitchen? <laughs> I, I don't remember a broom. <laughs> <laughs> but... Uh, yeah, from then it was bodybuilding for years, um, you know, because that was all I knew. I didn't really know about powerlifting or I knew about strongman, but I, it had never occurred to me that I would be able to do something like that. Um, so did a couple bodybuilding shows in high school and I realized the subjective nature of bodybuilding and that that turned me off a lot. Yeah. Um, yeah, I was pretty, pretty dejected by it. Um, and then, uh, you know, I ran into a guy after I'd moved from, uh, from, I went to high school in North Georgia. So when I finished high school, I moved to Houston and I started training with a guy out there, my dad and another guy, and we started training for powerlifting and, you know, he brought that into our world and, uh, you know, that, that was fun. We did a powerlifting meet and spent all this money 
you know, as a, a 19 year old kid. Uh, and then bombed out on squats and didn't get to finish the meet. So, <laughs> so there went powerlifting. That was like, that, that sucked. That was a shitty experience. So, uh, you know, at that point I was kind of left, I was thinking, you know, maybe, maybe I should put weightlifting on the back burner of my, my normal routine, my focus. I, I'm going to school full-time. I'm working, waiting tables full-time. Maybe I should just focus on graduating and make as much money as I can. And I'll just train when I have the free time. And, uh, you know, it's, uh, if you've ever read the book, the alchemist, they talk about personal legend. Well, it was like I was drifting off of my path. I was about to lose my personal legend. <laughs> and oh, I think okay. the universe conspired to bring me back on track because that's when my training partner came to me. He says, I'm going to do Texas Strongest Man. And I remember looking at him saying, I mean, like those guys on TV, what are you, crazy? We'll never be that strong. <laughs> Nevertheless, he signed up and... uh I went up, I was going to help him out because I was his training partner. So give him a hand. And I remember the whole way up there, he was just, he kept constantly saying, man, I just don't want to finish last. I just don't want to finish last. I'm like, don't worry about it, man. Let's go. Let's have fun. <laughs> so anyway, we get there and uh, he's signing in. I'm talking to the promoter and the promoter says, hey, man, you're here. You know, why don't you sign up? So I said, yeah, you know what? What the hell? I'll give it a shot. Let's do it. Um, I could have gone in the lightweights because I was right at the border for the, uh -huh. the cutoff. But my friend was in the heavyweights and I wanted to compete with him. So I went heavy. And then he looked over at me and he said, man, I'm glad you signed up because now at least now I know I won't take last. <laughs> so, yeah. Oh, all right. There's, That's there's some motivation. Go. That's exactly it. I felt this like seed of rage kind of sprouting from here coming up I'm like i'm gonna fucking crush you <laughs> that was the first time i'd ever been truly competitive like fucking hatefully competitive in my mm -hmm. life i didn't know i had that in me um but then we competed the next day and it was august 2nd 2002 it was hotter than hell because it was on a black top parking lot out in the sun in you know denison texas just north of dallas and uh it was the absolute most fun thing i had ever done in my entire life yeah it, it changed me it was it was just like that moment of like you know doing these events and knowing like holy shit this is what i was built for this this is what i'm doing Nice. I dreamt of those events every single night for the next six months after that. Wow. I would wake up feeling the farmer's handles in my hands. <laughs> I would wake up and I could smell the tacky, you know, or I'd be dreaming about smelling the tacky and lifting the stones. I could feel them in my arms. And uh, yeah, that was, that was my personal legend kind of coming back and saying, school's done. Work is done. <laughs> I'm We're doing going this, this way. Yeah, shortly after I quit my job, I hated that job. Um, and then school started to, up until that point, I had honors credit. I had three, I think I had two academic awards at that point. You know, I was, I, I was really good at college. I was really good at it. And then 
strongman came into my life and my focus just kind of went that direction. <laughs> so I was thinking, oh, you know what, let's, okay, let's give this strongman thing a shot and I'll just take a semester off. I'll come back. You know, yeah. I want to I do this. I want to focus on doing the nationals and doing well this year. Well, that, that semester off was 19 years ago. It was 38 semesters later. Here we are. <laughs> <laughs> But uh, yeah, that was that was my trip into the strength, the world of strength. Yeah. And going into strongman, I, you know, I went straight to the top. I got my pro card within two years and and uh, I was the rookie of the year 2005. You know, it, it just it fit me, man. I had nine years of lifting going into that. And this strongman just took it to another level. And I just, you know, I took to it like a duck to water, I guess. Yeah. Just loved it it lit my soul on fire <laughs> yeah um i have a comment and then uh another question for you of course um the question just came to mind the comment is the more people i interview and the more people i talk to who have reached a certain level of strongman the more i'm hearing this very similar experience of holy crap this is me it's not like wow this is something i really like to do it's this is my reality i just like experienced existence for the first time yep, yep. um with a sport like strongman it kind of has to be that way you can't half-ass it you no. can't just like it and think it's pretty cool and then get to the top if you want to get to the top you have to be obsessed it has to be you. <laughs> That's, and, and I had a, a, a sort of a similar experience uh, the first time I ever picked up a stone. Yeah. An Atlas stone. I'm like, hey, can you show me how to, I asked, a, you know, the, the strong man at the gym, can you show me how to do this? Just what's the basic technique? And uh, he said, yeah. And he showed me. And I bent over and it was only a hundred pound stone. I picked it up and I lapped it. And as soon as I lapped it, I went, yep, I'm doing this. <laughs> yeah. Yep. That's so, how I uh, felt when I lifted my first stone, man. I was like, oh, yes. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> I remember you just like hearing this voice. I don't know where it came from, but like this kind of screaming yell. And then I realized that was me lifting every time. It's like having so much fun. I was outside of myself feeling and hearing what I was doing. It was yeah. <laughs> that's amazing. That's, I mean, that's, I think when people talk about a calling, that's the experience. Yeah. You know, I feel very fortunate to have found that. And I think, you know, everybody's got a calling, I think to d different degrees. Um, but you got to be willing to try you know, you got to be willing to pour your heart and soul into something and then testing yourself at it. Yeah. Yeah. You know, and a lot, I think a lot of people make the, the mistake of not doing the first part, which right. is they, they don't pour their heart and soul into it for, you know, three, four years or so. Yeah. And then test it, you know, because if you're still passionate about it after three or four years, then you take it to that next level and decide to test yourself by competing or, or really pushing yourself. <clears throat> you know, I think uh, 
that's when you figure out if it's really for you, if it's something you love, you know, there's yeah. a lot of people may, they bounce around, they do a lot of different things, which is really cool, but I don't know if they're ever going to find the one that they're super passionate about because they haven't invested a whole lot into it first. Yeah. Yeah. That makes a lot of sense. I think that's very wise. I think for people listening, this is uh, that's, that's <laughs> good advice in terms of finding your passion. Um, so I have this question. It just popped into my head as you were talking about sort of your, your initial path into strongman. I was listening to a uh, Brian Shaw interview, Nick best. Okay. Nick tells a story about uh, a strongman competition in which he and you went head to head last man standing on a deadlift. Do you remember this? Perhaps. Perhaps. I can think of a couple times when we did that. Uh, anyway, he, he uh, talks about it in terms of uh, being very competitive, sort of, we going to do this kind of thing almost like a showdown um, <laughs> might be the contest where he got his pro card and he broke my amateur deadlift record. That is the one. Yeah. Yeah. It was, it I was... told him going into that because my record was like 745, 750. And I said, don't you nickel and dime me. None of this five pound bullshit. None of that. You want to break my record? You better smash my record. And then he right. pulled 805. <laughs> right. And so it, it was uh so he talks about it and, and I wanted to hear it was because he just talks about it in terms of competition, but I wanted to ask you mentally, do you remember like psychologically your mindset during that kind of head to head competition with Nick? <clears throat> Probably like my mindset with any of the guys that I really pushed hard against. It was, you know, I'm, I'm going to push as hard as I can and uh, life or death. I'm going to, I'm going to come out. I'm going to fight. I'm going to try and crush you with everything that I've got, you know, but I did that with every event. So sure. he, uh, he got me on the deadlift because I remember getting 805 to my knees and then he locked it out. And so I was, I was pissed off. So I beat him on every event after that. Okay. <laughs> okay. I mean, that's uh, that's the motivator. That 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 uh, that anger was it? Anger at Nick, or was it uh, anger and frustration at yourself? You know what? It was definitely not frustration. It was anger in a. I don't know how to say. It. Maybe it was like a happy anger. It was an anger that I wanted to feel. It was a rage that I let myself feel because I wanted it to push me more. You know, it was never like a pure anger. I didn't have any animosity towards Nick or anyone ever. You know, it was a, it was a pure rage. I wanted to crush him. I wanted to take his soul. I wanted to destroy the very memory of that guy. But I never would hurt the person in real life. You know what I mean? <laughs> And then beers afterwards. And then exactly, exactly. You know, there's no better way to celebrate them, but trying to kill somebody all day long and then go out and have a beer with them. <laughs> and, and oddly enough, you know, my, uh, my best friends growing up 
were all kids that I got in a fight with first. Oh, dude, I can so connect with that. I think it's a guy thing, man. I think you got to measure each other up, you know, physically, mentally, you size each other up and you kind of feel it out when you start hitting each other. And then if he doesn't break you, you don't break. You get him, you, you earn that guy's respect <laughs> and, and vice versa. <laughs> I think there is something to be said for that. Although I, 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 at this point in history, that's a very politically incorrect way of thinking. And I don't really want to get into politics, yeah. but, but there a lot is of not healthy. There is something in the male psyche that says I need to test myself. And it's important. It's important because if you don't test yourself, you'll never know how good you are at something, how tough you are. Yeah. You know, you, you want to go out into the world of business and you're trying to compete against all these other people that are trying to take whatever it is you're trying to build. Yeah. And if you don't have that growing up, if you've never tested yourself, you're going to crumble. You're an easy target. Yeah, I agree. Um, which is a perfect segue into this next question. Um, would you, I think many, many people that follow Strongman know your history. I don't, I don't know that we need to go into that in terms of the addiction and, you know, the return, um, and coming back as this really, uh, man full of gratitude, pushing himself really hard again. But what I do want to ask you is, would you compare your mindset early in your strongman days to your mindset now as you're, as you're training and competing? Uh, well, first off, you know, I will go into the, the whole addiction and loss of everything. Uh, I think it's important for people to know that I didn't lose everything because of an addiction. The addiction was a byproduct of self-destruction. Okay. I was, I don't know what happened. I that think that I just competed so hard for so long and put invested everything. And, you know, I had injuries that I pushed through. So I was mentally exhausted. I was physically beyond exhausted. Um, you know, as a, for instance, I, I took six months off in 2012 and didn't train at all. The first two months I felt like trash. And then after that, I finally felt good again. It took me two months to recover. Wow. For, yeah, that's how hard I had pushed, you know, <laughs> competed with a broken ankle, I competed yeah. with a busted back and herniated discs and kept going. Um, so, yeah, it was just a complete and total mental breakdown. It was just, I finally reached a peak and my body and my mind were just like, you know what? You don't want to listen to us. Fuck you. We're done. We're, we're done. We're on strike. Yeah. <laughs> and so, uh, you know, when, when you're not doing the things you're passionate about, you, you open up a vacuum. And then yeah. the easiest thing that, that's always gets sucked in there is self-destructive things. So that's where addiction and stupid shit comes from. Absolutely. You know, so, yeah. And uh, that's brilliant. Yeah. <laughs> no, that's like really, said, that's, guy, he, he's always taking notes. That's Even through all of that. I think that's something that, that I'm now I'm glad you did talk about that because I think that's something that, uh, 
strongmen and athletes need to pay attention to that uh, absolutely that there is a certain level of overtraining that's self-destructive and eventually your body will try to adapt and say no more it, it'll shut down because yep. the the threat has gotten too high yeah and, and it's a subconscious thing you know i was aware of the things that were happening but i was completely powerless to do anything about it it's like i just my body would do things that i was i was like no it's a bad idea and yet we would be doing it yeah you know yeah. it was uh, it was a really weird time um but it gave me a taste of what, uh, you know, so many guys go through at retirement. Um, you know, like uh, professional athletes, when they retire, they have a 75% divorce rate. Yeah. Uh, you know, and it's, it's just part of what I was doing was, you know, they suddenly have this huge hole in their life because they're not doing, you know, you're so focused for so long. You see this person in the mirror and he's looked the same way your whole life. And now all of a sudden you look in the mirror and you don't recognize that person. Yeah. You know, it's, it's hard for someone else to love you and take care of you or be with you when you don't love or take care of yourself. Yeah. <laughs> so, so what's your mindset now? My mindset now. So, you know, I have things in place for when I do eventually retire, I've built up a business where I get to share my passion with other people. Um, and I think that's important is it's, if you're a professional athlete, you're obviously an expert in your field. So share that information and find a yeah. way to, to, you know, give back yeah. and uh, build other people up. Cause you know, the only thing that I like as much as when I win a contest is when my athletes win contests. I love it. I love seeing them. I, <clears throat> I like seeing them win contests. I love seeing them accomplish things they did not think they could do yeah that's my favorite thing that is that's what i'm beautiful. passionate about i fucking love that <laughs> that's um, beautiful but yeah the, the mindset before so on the top of that mountain was the world's strongest man trophy you know now you go halfway up that mountain there's my world's strongest man trophy i've got so much more back here that i want to do i've got yeah. so much outside of that um yeah i just feel like a more well-rounded person human being at this point yeah i like that <laughs> well, i, like I had that to learn that lesson the absolute hardest way possible yeah yeah <laughs> so that's that takes us into 2021 in which you had some successes but then you had a rough 2021 as well and uh yeah. moving into 2022 some rough training um so what yeah. what have you learned from 2021 moving into 2022 what are some well, of the i had to i had to revisit that lesson that i learned when i took the six months off and i needed two months to heal yeah I, I think I'd beaten myself down to that point. And then you add in a leg infection and COVID. Yeah. And uh, the leg infection nearly killed me. You know, I think my body needed even more time. And, and, and it wasn't quite healing on its own. So I had, you know, the first half of this year so far has been absolutely trash. 
my body felt awful. You know, I, I was hurting so much the day after a workout that I thought that I couldn't train anymore. I'm like thinking to myself, you know, is this it? Am I done? Is this what the older guys feel yet? They push through. And then I, I learned that they don't feel that way. Yes. They have aches and pains, but they weren't hurting the way that I was hurt. So, uh, I had to find answers. You know, I was tired of people saying, well, you're getting old. Like, fuck you. Fuck you. I'm getting old. Sure. But that doesn't mean that I'm totally done and broken. Like I can't freaking move. Right. You know, there's, there's something wrong here. I could tell something was off. Yeah. So, uh, so I had to get uh, some blood tests done. I've done a lot of mental work. Um, the blood test showed that I was deficient in a couple of very important things like vitamin D, vitamin K, omega threes. Okay. Um, even my cortisol was really low. So my adrenals were fried. Yeah. Um, and then uh, I was really high in one lipid in particular, but, uh, it's really important to get a really comprehensive blood panel because my triglycerides, lipids and cholesterols were all within the normal range. Yeah. But if, when you broke it down, you could see that one was abnormally high. It was like four times the height, the top end of what it should be. And I uh, had an inflammatory marker um, that was way off the chart as well. You know, so that's where the pain yeah, was am, coming from. That's it's exactly it. Yeah. And I was uh, because my omega threes were so low, my cortisol was so low um, and, and my estradiol was really high. I was breaking down a lot of muscle, which made sense why I was so sore yeah because uh and, and the evidence for that was my high ck levels creatine kinase yeah um it uh, it shows muscle protein breakdown and it's been elevated ever since my uh leg infection oh um, okay yeah i think uh when i got out of the hospital and i finished my final treatment um i was at 2000 and high is 200 yeah so, I mean, we're at the tail end of all the antibiotic treatments and, you right, know, right. a month of not training. And it was still 10 times high. When I went into the hospital initially, it was 20,000. I had rabbit. So, yeah, my, my body was really beaten up. Um, but when I had this blood test a month ago, it was back at 5,000. So it was indicating I'm getting an elevated amount of muscle breakdown. And I'm missing things to help restore and recover. Yeah. In yeah. addition to the vitamin D and K being so low, which indicated that I'm fighting some kind of infection still. Yeah. So that's why I was feeling old. Not because I'm getting old, because I was fucked up in a certain area that is easy to treat and fix once you know what it is. Yeah. <laughs> Um, in your face to all those sons of bitches that were like, well, you're just too old now. You've been really hard on your body. Blah, 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 fucking blah. <laughs> <laughs> I am not ready to be done. And you know what? This might be my new tackling fuel. You know, it's like all those people that said, oh, you're just getting too old. Well, I'm going to come back and I'm going to freaking crush every goddamn competition I do. I'm going to take it out on every athlete I compete against. For the rest of the year until I go to World Strongest Man, I take it out on them too. <laughs> nice. I like that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You got the spark back in your eye. Well, you know, you just got to find it where you can and yeah. use it. 
You said you did a lot of mental work as well. Could you dig into that a little bit? Yeah, yeah. So we came up with a few things, a couple, uh, you know, meditations to work on. One of which I really liked was that uh, the pre-gym meditation where you, you know, I kind of, I modified it a little bit to where it worked with my uh, visualization, but I step into an elevator and then I look at the the buttons Mm -hmm. and, you know, I hit, minus uh i hit minus 10 and then i watch the buttons light minus one minus two and i'm dropping down into the basement and then when i hit that minus 10 the door opens and then we talked about walking into your perfect gym yeah where you can do anything and so i walk in i visualize you know lifting my 600 pound stone for reps log pressing 420 for reps you know, all those things, squatting a thousand, deadlifting a thousand for reps. Yeah. You know, you just walk in and you're invincible. And then I go through that workout and I feel great afterward. I drink my protein shake. I get on the elevator and then I count it back down from 10 to one. And then the doors open. And when the doors open, I feel the light, the sun come over me and like wash over me. And, you know, I feel it. I can actually feel it on my face when I visualize it. I step out into the sun and it just kind of solidifies everything that I just did. Oh, nice. nice. I like it. Yeah. I love that one. <clears throat> um, I've also been working with a, uh, a sports psychologist coming up with different uh, methods to kind of keep myself in check. Okay. So it's, it's not so much a, a psychology aspect. It's uh kind of a game plan aspect yeah you know where we, we establish a value system versus <clears throat> um, an emotional based decision so my emotional based decisions are i'm mad i want to push through this weight i should be doing better i feel like i can do more my yeah. values are here's what the program says and if i'm not feeling you know 90 percent or better then we back it down and that's okay because this one set of this one exercise isn't going to make or break my year of training. But if I do push too hard, it can break. It can literally break my training. I like that. I like that. So yeah. Coming up with some of those, you know, action plans, I guess. Yeah. Competition (laughs) plans. That's exactly it. And, you know, and I need that because I'm kind of an emotional based training kind of guy. You know, I, I, I make a program and I can stick. Here's where it's, kind of tricky because i don't go off program when i'm hitting all my numbers yeah but on the days where i'm not feeling strong enough i want to hit those numbers anyway and that's where i get into trouble yeah you know that's it's it's i should be rather than i currently am yeah that's where uh i think things like rpe and reps in reserve come in handy and that's well that's such a hard thing i tried to do the rpe but i'm really good at arguing and lying to myself and fighting like oh no i was a seven and you know i'm bleeding from the nose or something right right (laughs) short memory when it comes to how hard i just pushed yeah (laughs) that's yeah that's that uh emotional push through everything yeah yeah. And that's, I get real caught up in where I should be rather than where I am. Um, 
So you are going to be competing in Clash of the Champions coming up in August. Yeah. Yeah. Which is pretty exciting for me anyway. Yeah. I can't wait to see you compete again. I'm, I'm kind of excited. Um, I'm kind of nervous too, because, uh, you know, that with that muscle protein breakdown, um, I'm good for singles, but when I start doing reps, it beats me up a lot the next day. And this contest is a squat for reps, a deadlift for reps, a clean and press for reps, a medley, and then a farmers for distance. Like it's, it's all distance and reps events. So, yeah. Yeah. Uh, so, <laughs> So mentally and physically, how are you managing that in training? You know what? I'm stand, uh, I'm sticking with my values. I'm finding positive wins in every training session. Um, I'm trying to stay with where I'm at because, you know, this pinched nerve thing uh, really pissed me off. And I was, I was really trying to push through it and I'd give myself a a week off and we'll let it heal in a week. And then I'd start pushing hard again. And it just, it wasn't healing, you know? So uh, I had to check my ego at the door and go with what I'm capable of, not what I should be capable of. Uh -huh. So uh, one of the things that I've done is I've found ways to kind of manage. <clears throat> um, I still got you, right? Yep. There we go. I found ways to manage you know, the, the intensity with which I train. So one of the events is an axle clean and press. So instead of using a two inch axle, I'm using a three inch axle, which is limiting the amount of weight that I can use. Yeah. So it's, it's really difficult, but I'm not putting a whole lot of strain on my body because I'm using, you know, 220 pounds rather than the 275 or 300. Yeah. Okay. <clears throat> so just, uh, Sounds like being, um, what I'm hearing is you're training with a clearer set of decision-making protocols. Does that make sense? Yes. Okay. Yeah. Okay. And that's what I needed. I needed, I needed to be black and white on this because I, I exist in a world of gray and yeah. I'm very good at talking circles around and, and finding alternative viewpoints to talk myself into or out of any situation. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Which is why I can't coach myself. I have three coaches at the moment. Um, but I'm great at coaching other people because I know all the bullshit. <laughs> <laughs> Just to wrap up here a little bit. Um, speaking of coaching, You're doing it. It seems like you're doing a lot of coaching right now. And uh, what lessons from Strongman have you used to build your coaching business? Oh, patience, consistency, and finding the win. In any situation. So patience, obviously, to build it and grow it. Yeah. Um, being consistent with, uh, you know, just little things like posts on Instagram or uh, more than anything is being consistent with uh, my interaction with my clients. Yeah. Um, I, I, 
I have a lot of them that come over from email only programs and they, they tell me constantly, like I, you know, I sent my coach a question two or three weeks ago and I still haven't got an answer. Yeah. And that shit doesn't work for me. The way I, I like to have constant interaction. Uh-huh. Um, the longest I've ever gone without answering a question. And I feel so bad for this was a full six days. Uh-huh. Um, but the guy kept sending me a new message like every 12 hours. Yeah. So I kept bumping him to the top of the list and I always work from the bottom up. So yeah. he was bumping himself to the back of the line. <laughs> I was like, oh, shit, man. <laughs> you know, but that, that's, uh, that's kind of a rare thing. I, you know, it's, uh, it's really important to me that my athletes feel like they're being taken care of. Like they're actually, you know, talking to a coach. Yeah. Um, I've had coaches, uh, I've had a coach, a couple coaches where the interaction was kind of limited, you know, it's, uh, you know, I say, what, you know, what did you think about this? And I'm wanting some like feedback and I want some feedback on some of the ideas that I'm rolling around with. And they're like, yeah, that's yeah. okay. And sure. We can do that. Like, <laughs> it's not quite what I was looking for. <laughs> exactly, man. Like my body feels trashed right now. What, what can we do? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I, I, I think that's really good wisdom um, for, uh, I mean, for me, I take a lesson from that uh, in trying to build a mental performance coaching business and uh, also with the podcast business, you know, patience and, and always staying alert in terms of being connected with people that want to connect with me. And uh, yeah. being consistent with connecting with others. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. It's, you know, it compounds, you know, one person, which can connect you to two people. And those two people connect you to four people. And that's still very little. And for a while, it's very little. But once you know 100 people, you go to 200, then 400. It grows kind of yeah. exponentially like that. Yeah. Hey, let's end this uh, with... Uh, I got three questions left for you. All right. Um, The first question is what mindset do you try to help your clients build? Just an overall athlete mindset. You know, let's be clear on your goals and let's be clear on the steps it's going to take you to get you there. You know, I want them I want them living their day with their training in mind, at least to some degree. I know that's not the way everybody wants to live 100%, but to some degree, to where they're prepared yeah. with all their meals, they're ready to train, they've, they've got their energy going because they've, you know, they have prepared for success. Um, <clears throat> and then, uh, you know, a big one is, when guys, especially when they've been training a long time, they start to plateau, mm-hmm. you know, we look, well, they plateau, but we, I look for wins. I look for the victories. Okay. So we hit the same weight for the same reps. Was your technique better? Did the bar move faster? You know, did you recover faster from it? Those are all improvements in, in training. That's three different things we can look at right there for the same, technically the same result. Super important. Yeah. Yeah. So we, we look for progress in lots of ways. I change their mindset to one of a winning mindset. And the way, what I mean by that is uh, if you want to win, winning is a skill like anything else and it needs to be practiced. 
So if you want to win in a competition, you got to practice winning all the time. So I come up with the five daily wins where it could be, it's simple, anything simple, like making your bed every morning, meal prepping and getting all your meals in, all your water in, you know, did you make it to work on time? Everything that you could say, that was a win. That was a win. That was a win. The more you win, the better you get at it. What a great way to build confidence. Yeah. Yeah. And, And the other side of that is they start looking for the good things that they're doing. They start looking for wins. So that puts, that takes that, that negative screen off and puts a positive one in place. And, and that's, that's what I do with the gratitude as well. It's you know, brilliant. you look for things to be grateful for. You see the same picture, but it's completely different. Yeah. If you're uh, just for everybody listening, you need to follow Travis on Instagram just for his Monday gratitude posts. Those are great. <laughs> I appreciate right. that, man. <laughs> I, I, I don't listen to all of the posts that you make, um, but I never, I always stop and make sure to listen to the Monday gratitude. Um, it's a great way to, uh, to start the week. I appreciate that, man. <laughs> it changed Any, my life finding gratitude. It really did. And interestingly enough, in the research literature, gratitude is related to improved athletic performance among athletes i can totally see that i can see it being related to improved performance period yeah life life athletic ability productivity yeah everything any challenges you would like to issue today challenges to others yourself the world in general I'd like to challenge, I'd like to challenge other people to find five things to win every day and then be grateful for every day. Challenge them there. And then I'd like to challenge all of my competitors to just try and beat me over the next year. I'm going to freaking come with a fire. Nice. (laughs) Nice. So in August, does that mean we're going to see a, uh, a deadlift showdown, but another deadlift showdown between you and Nick Best. Yeah. It's, it's July 23rd, but yeah, probably so. I think, uh, (laughs) and he's a good squatter too. So we might just have to go head to head on both of those. If I can beat him on those, then I'm winning that competition. Nice. Nice. (laughs) I love the mindset. Yeah. (laughs) Last thing. Any shout outs you want to give? Uh, you know what? I just want to give a shout out to uh, all the people that have helped me along the way, all my clients that I get the opportunity to help. And, uh, you know, anybody out there is trying to make the world a little bit better by bringing something to the table and sharing it, sharing their passion with others. Nice. That's beautiful. <laughs> that is beautiful, man. Travis, I want to thank you for coming on and being a guest on Solid Rock Performance. This has been, it's always a blast talking with you, but to sit and record it and do just like a full interview has been, uh, has been just a pleasure. Thank you. I appreciate you having me, man. I enjoyed it. Good. All right. Hi. Hey, 
if you are enjoying the content being put out by Solid Rock Performance and you would like to support Solid Rock Performance Podcast so that I can continue to put this content out, I would invite you to use the link in the show notes and just make a donation. That would really go a long way to allowing me to keep putting out this content, to keep building people up and keep encouraging people and pursuing interviews and getting in deep into the weeds, into the minds of elite and intense athletes. Hey, thanks a lot.